Good morning, Westgate Chapel. Please stand and join us in worship. For me, not against me. I am who you 
against us, right? Amen. Go ahead and have a seat and take a look at the screen. Welcome to Westgate Chapel. We're so happy to have you with us today. My name is Marlena Burrow, and I'm the Kids Ministry Director here at Westgate. Thanks for worshiping with us today. We are continuing our sermon series in the book of Mark this week. Hopefully you had a chance to grab your sermon notes on the way in. Those are always available on the entrance tables from one of our ushers, or you can also find them on the Westgate app. If you're a guest today, thanks for joining us. We would love to connect with you. In the pews in front of you, you'll find our connect card. Go ahead, take a moment to fill that out. It's a great way to let us know you joined us. You can also use that card to share any prayer requests you might have. Hang on to your card and at the end of the service, head out to the main entrance and to our guest center where there's a host who would love to answer any questions you might have. We also have a small gift for you just to say thanks for being here. Even if you've been attending Westgate for a while, we'd love to invite you to fill out the Connect card as well. It's a great way to take your next step at Westgate. Maybe you're interested in serving or connecting with a life group. Let us know. Then drop your card in the offering bucket when it's passed later in the service. You can find the Connect card on our Westgate app as well. And speaking of getting connected, there are lots of great things happening here at Westgate. Let's take a look. Join us next Sunday, April 30th, for a special day of celebration as we baptize members of our church family. If you have not been a part of the baptism class, but are still interested in being baptized, let us know on the connection card or talk to one of the pastors. Baptism Sunday will be extra special because it is a Together Sunday. That means that our whole church family will be worshiping together. We believe that it is vital for our kids and our students to see that they are part of the larger church body and to participate in these important moments in the life of our church. What an incredible way to pass on our faith to the next generation. For parents with kids who need to wiggle while they worship, our live stream will be available in the refinery. And make sure and stop by the atrium between services for Hangout and Connect and grab a donut hole and a cup of coffee. It's a fun way to meet new people and catch up with friends. Thanks again for joining us this morning. As always, you can find out details about everything going on at Westgate on our Westgate app or at westgatechapel.org slash events. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Enjoy the service. 
Well, good morning, church family, and uh, my name is Rob Zimmerman, lead pastor here at Westgate, and uh, we have one other thing we want to share with you this morning. If you are new to Westgate in the last six months, uh, or to be honest with you, the way we always say is, even if you've been here for 50 years, but you've never had an opportunity to come to our new people party, we want to invite you to come and join us. Uh, We are having a new people party today after the second service, uh, and it's going to be over in our refinery, which is through the cafe area and just through the atrium. Uh, We're going to have an awesome lunch, and it's a great opportunity for you. uh, If you're new to Westgate or have never had the opportunity to meet our pastoral staff, to come learn a little bit about the church and uh, to meet our team. And so we would love to invite you to come. I believe we have somewhere around 20 to 25 people that uh, registered. But if you didn't register, you are still welcome to come. We always order extra food, and we would love that opportunity to to meet you and uh, just have the opportunity to share some food and fellowship together. So uh, plan on joining us. Again, that's after our service this morning. And with that being said, we want to continue as we always do. We love here at Westgate the opportunity to greet one another. And so would you take a moment to stand, find somebody you do not know, and welcome them to our service this morning. church if we could make our way back to the seats we're going to continue to worship
Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you. When all I see are the ashes, you see the go to him now. Let this time be a time of prayer and reflection. Think about what God has done for you and how he is worthy of all of our praise. Amen.
Lord God, Lord, you are the only one, the only one who is worthy of all of our worship this morning, Father. You are the giver of all good gifts, and I pray, Father, that you would give us eyes to see your goodness all around us, Lord, no matter what we're walking through, no matter what hardship or valley, Lord, you're enough. You're everything. And I pray that, that we would just bring all of our burdens to you freely, without reservation, that we wouldn't try to hold on to them or fix them ourselves. Um, they're best left in your care 
and your kindness. We just give them all to you this morning, Father. In your name we pray, amen. Would you continue in worship this morning through the acts of um, our giving? If you are in a center aisle, just grab one of those tithing buckets and pass those out. Thank you. Westgate Chapel. How are we doing this morning? Doing great? Feeling awake? Feeling alert? Feeling alive? Yeah? Good. I hope so. Um, my name is Dan, and I'm the middle school pastor here at Westgate. And yeah, I just have the amazing privilege of pouring into and loving on middle school students. Um, and so, yeah, it's a, an amazing, beautiful life that I get to live, uh, that God has um, blessed me with. And I'm here this morning. I get opportunities like this every once in a while to bring God's, God's word to you guys. Um, and that's just never lost in me on like, the responsibility that that is. Um, and so as we walk into this morning, um, I just want us to take a moment uh, to get ourselves like, ready for what God has for us. Um, I don't know if you got kids or just like bringing the weekend this morning. Like There's a lot on our minds, a lot going on. So I want to give us like a couple seconds, 20 seconds, something like that to just pray against those distractions, pray against the enemy working on you right now trying to keep you from what God has for you, um, and just ask God to prepare your heart this morning. And I'm, I'm going to do the same. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for this church that we all get to come to and the pews we get to sit in and the technology we get to work with. God, what a blessing that is. I'm so thankful for it. Holy Spirit, I pray that you are here with us this morning. I've been praying that all morning. Holy Spirit, may your presence be here. God, may you be here with your people this morning. Holy Spirit, be working in our hearts, be working in our minds, just revealing whatever truth it is that you got for us. Holy Spirit, give me the right words to say. Keep me from saying things that I shouldn't. And God, may this morning be about you. Not about Dan. Not about the worship team. Not about the songs. Not about the videos. May it be about you. And may you be honored and glorified. That's my prayer. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. 
All right, so we're jumping into it. Uh, we're in a series right now called, Who Do You Say I Am? Okay, and so according to Mark last week and according to Pastor Rob, who did we learn Jesus was? Not a rhetorical question. Let me hear it. Who do we, who do we think Jesus is? Like, who, who did we learn he, he was? Our Savior, our M- Messiah, right? I always, I always do this in, with middle schoolers. I'm always like, oh, man. It just makes me feel like, oh, did they hear anything I said? But they heard you, Rob. They heard God's word, okay? The Messiah. Jesus is Messiah. Not was, he still is today, okay? Um, and we learned that, right, uh, Mark gave us this deductive lesson, okay? So he's showing us who, who Jesus is, right? The big point, and now the rest is we're going to be working to point towards, towards that, right? And so as we dive in today, everything we're going to be talking about, the evidences, the facts, the stories, it's all pointing to Jesus as the Messiah. It's solidifying that title, okay? Uh, and so this morning... Uh, as you can tell, we're going to be reading Mark uh, chapter 1, verses 29 and 34, which is what we watch on the screen. And so um, I don't just want to rely on the video. I want us to open up our Bibles to that. If you've got your Bible, you can go to. If you've got your phone, um, it's also going to be up on the screen. I'm going to read it over us this morning, and then we're going to dive in. Here we go. <clears throat> It says, as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. And so this morning, um, we're going to go through this verse by verse. And this is how I do it with my middle schoolers. Um, right, we're going through the book of Genesis right now, so there's a lot of wild things in Genesis, and we don't shy away from it. Uh, we, go, we, we read God's word right through, and like we kind of see how God is revealed through the pages and, and the lines of scripture. And so I'm going to try to do that this morning. I don't think I've taught this way before, uh, but it's just, I, there's so much packed into these verses. And there's going to be things that are bringing us to our main point, but there's just little nuggets I'm going to throw here and there because I feel like the Spirit has something for all of us this morning. Um, and so keep your ears perked up and, and listening to, to what God has for you. Um, and just to speak on the chosen, just really quick, just to do a little endorsement here. Uh, who watches the chosen? Raise your hand. This morning, Claire watched it this morning. Come on, that's the way to wake up. Um, but I, I love The Chosen. Uh, it's, a, it's a great uh, TV series. And the reason I love it is just like it, it shows um, Jesus' like humanity in a really like real way. Um, and that's something I always like kind of struggled with is like looking at Jesus and like understanding he's like fully man as well. Like Jesus has a sense of humor. Okay, and Jesus has emotions and feelings. And so like when I've watched The the Chosen, like it helps me to like see that part of Jesus. Okay, and so that's why I love it, right? It shows me the humanity of Jesus, right? That our high priest, right, who who knows our weaknesses and who was tempted, tempted like us, like did not fall into sin. He came to be with us, understand what we go through, but he was perfect in it, okay? 
And so that's my chosen endorsement. Um, Let's get into God's word. Verse 29, it says this. um, As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Okay? And so what's important about this passage is to know what happened before this passage. Okay? So hopefully some of you have read through like the reading plan for this week. Um, But the passage right before, Jesus and his disciples were at the synagogue. Okay? They were at church. That's what we, you know, that's where we would go. It's church. And uh, they're there, he's preaching, he's teaching, and people are like, man, this guy's got something good. Like, he's, he's just bringing the word, and it's blowing their minds. And then a demon-possessed guy, someone that's possessed by a demon, by an evil spirit, comes in and, like, kind of starts heckling Jesus. Like, why are you here? Like, what's going on? And, and Jesus speaks to this, this demon and just tells it to leave. And the guy falls down, kind of convulses, and the spirit's gone. And everyone sees that, and they're like, oh. What just happened? Like, that is wild. They've never seen anything like it before. Okay? And so this, what we just read, this is coming out of that moment. All right? Um, And so what we see is they bring Jesus home after this. Okay? They bring Jesus home after church. And it's just something I wanted just to think about. Um, It's one of these little nuggets. Uh, I feel like often we come to church and the Holy Spirit convicts us. And man, the worship was great. And God moves and is working our hearts and revealing things to us. And like, man, it is just an awesome Sunday morning. And then we get home. We kind of just get right back into the rhythm of life. Right? Taking care of our kids, going to work, like doing the things we need to do. And what happens is we leave Jesus at church. We leave Jesus at church a lot. And the thing that encourages me is when I read this, it shows me that they brought Jesus home, okay? Whether he was just tagging along or they're like, hey, Jesus, come over for like right after church. Um, But Jesus comes home with them. And what we see him do is he continues to work and do miracles and signs with them. And so what this shows me is, right, if you leave Jesus at church, how can he continue to work and move and change your life? Right? We need to bring Jesus home with us. So we conti- what we see him do is, in this next chapter, we see him continue to work. He heals Peter's mother-in-law. He heals and, and, and frees people from de- demon possession. And like just continues to work and do miracles, right? Jesus doesn't only work inside of the church. Actually, if you read scripture, he does things in the church. He preaches, you know, uh, profoundly and has a lot of power. But what he does outside of the church is incredible. With people who need to see him who people are sinful and dirty and disgusting and don't deserve him. That's where he does most of his work. It's not just the church. They brought Jesus home, okay? And we see that through that, he continues to work amongst them. Verse 30 says this, Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they told Jesus about her. Okay, so... um, this is where we found out Peter, Peter has a mother-in-law, which means what? He's married. Yes, Peter is married, okay? He's got, he's got a wife. And that's why I love that clip from The Chosen. Um, because, right, in our scriptures, like, we're not given that little detail. I'm not sure if that actually even happened, okay? Um, but a lot of times in scripture, um, there's a lot of these conversations and, and things that happen that, we are not, that are not revealed to us. We don't know about. And so they're, they're taking a creative liberty um, to kind of fill in that gap of like, oh, this is what might have happened. 
And I think it's cool because it just shows to me, every time I think about Jesus and like him calling the disciples, I always think of like, he's just telling them to desert, like their whole, like desert everything. Leave your family, leave your wife. And it just kind of brings back to my like, oh, Jesus like constructed the family system. Like we didn't create that, he did. Like he created marriage. Like he says, like, and the thing is like, you are one flesh. And so it's just a good reminder of like, he wasn't just gonna leave um, Peter's wife like out to dry. He was gonna be there for her. He was gonna help her. And it just makes me think about um, like people in ministry, uh, whether it's like full-time or volunteer or part-time, like whether the husband's in ministry or the wife is in ministry, um, whoever is doing it, that spouse is in the ministry with them, okay? They're doing ministry with them. Um, they're a part of it. They're not separated from it. But they have actually a big part in that. And so, right, Peter's wife has a big part in his life and in his ministry and what he's gonna be doing, right, to support him and love him and be there for him. And so Jesus is showing how he's gonna care and have compassion and mercy on her because Peter is choosing to follow Christ. It's encouraging me because we know that following Jesus isn't going to be easy, right? Just like they said in the video, right? Like, it wouldn't be our people's way. They knew what they're getting themselves into. Because, right, the Bible says the whole take up your cross daily thing. Right, for us, sometimes I feel like that kind of glazes over. Um, but for the disciples, right, taking up your cross daily, uh, that was something serious. Because they would walk down the streets and see people dying from crucifixion. And so for them, right, like taking up their cross daily and following Jesus, they knew what it was going to be about if they understood that. And so following Jesus, right, it's going to be hard. Peter still left his wife and went and, and did the ministry with Jesus. But we see that Jesus takes care of her in that sense. And it just shows us that he will be there for you even when life is hard. Jesus is there in the midst of it, working and moving and doing things on our behalf. Right? He's not going to take everything away, right? But man, he's, he's there. He's doing things. Another thing we notice uh, is Peter's mother-in-law had a fever, okay? Um, and so every time I read this, I always have to remind myself it's not like today, Okay, when we get a fever, we go to the doctors, we go to the minute clinic, and we're good. We get some drugs, some medicine, and it's taken care of, okay? Um, we're no longer, you know, feverish or sick after a couple days. But here, like Luke, in Luke's um, gospel, it says it was a high fever, okay? So not only is it like, it's a fever, but like it's, it's a serious thing, all right? And she's not doing well. Um, she's very, very sick, Okay, I'm not sure how close to death she was, or, but like we just know that she's bedridden and, and she's there, okay? It's a serious ordeal. And then what we see is that uh, Jesus, um, at the, the last part of the verse, is that they told Jesus about her. They told Jesus about her. Some say they, they told her right now. Some people, the one we just read says, um, they told him immediately, right? They didn't, they didn't hesitate, Okay? They just witnessed what Jesus did at the synagogue. As someone walked in, possessed by an evil spirit, and he just spoke to it, and it was gone. And so that kind of power that we just saw in the synagogue is now sitting in our home, and I have someone here that has a need that needs to be healed. Their body needs to be restored. This guy has that power to just speak, and it can be done. And so they don't hesitate. They, they go to him immediately. 
It just gets me thinking about our own life and the things that we go to before we go to Jesus. And I'm, I'm very guilty of this, right? We, we go to Jesus and we're like, man, and we're like, God, I've tried everything. Like I, I, I've gone to the doctors, I've done this, I've done that. And, and you're like, now like, Jesus, you need to do something. And that's the first time that we call out to Christ. When really, Jesus is saying, I want you to come to me before you go to everything else. And I know that's really hard in our society, right? We have medicine, we have doctors, we have hospitals, MRIs, CAT scans, counselors, therapists, friends and family that we can go to. And those things are good. I believe God has given us creativity and to be able to work and, and put these things into place. And he uses medicine and the doctors. But he's also saying, I am better than all of those things. Right? I can do so much more than any of that stuff can do. Why are you going to those things before you come to me? All right, we have our ibuprofen, our NyQuil, our DayQuil, our Advil, right, to make us feel better. And I'm always like, man, why does God care about like, my cold? Like, like that's, I'm just going to get some day, DayQuil and, and like be good. But it's like, man, like I'm, I'm trusting DayQuil over trusting Jesus. Like, I think about, like, how silly is that? And uh, just a little story about uh, just a little piece of my life. Um, I, I herniated my disc when I was, like, 21 years old, okay? And so in my mind, that was a couple years ago. Uh, in reality, that was eight years ago, okay? Um, and so my 30th birthday is coming up, and so I got, I'm going to go to God about that first. Um, <laughs> And so uh, that's coming up, but 21 years old, I, I herniated my disc. And so I, I pressure washed houses a lot. So I spent a lot of time on ladders and roofs. And this one day, um, you're supposed to have someone stand at the base of your ladder so it doesn't slip, especially if it's like on something wet. And so it was on a deck and we're in a rush. I'm trying to get clean this window, get to the next house. So I climb up, I clean it. I'm halfway down, I'm like checking it out. And there's like a little smudge. I'm like, ah, I got to fix it. Okay, because there's times where I just kind of let the smudge go, and then we get called, and I, I have to drive back on my own time. And I was like, I'm not doing that. And so I climb back up, clean it. It looks beautiful. Halfway down, the ladder slides. It goes out, okay? And so because there was a railing on this deck, uh, it didn't go all the way down. I kind of hoped it just would have went all the way down, but it stopped like, like right here. And so I kind of free fell a little bit, and then my shins caught into the rungs, and I kind of went like, Oh, like one of that, okay? Like my back like contorted backwards. Um, and I just remember like it, it hurt very badly. And so I kind of just walked in the middle of the yard and just laid down um, for a couple minutes. And then it continued just to get worse and worse and worse until like there's points, man, I was, I was a young, healthy guy and I was like crawling on my knees in pain. It took me like five minutes to be able to stand up and get out of a chair. I couldn't be in the car long. I couldn't stand long. I couldn't sit long. So that was just, just a terrible thing. A couple of things here. First things first, I didn't go to Jesus right away because one, I wasn't following Jesus at that point. I'd walked away from him. Um, maybe that was a wake-up call. I don't know. He gave me a lot of wake-up calls that didn't wake me up, unfortunately. But then even when I gave my life back to Jesus and, were, and was following him, I, I still had the pain. Even though it had dissipated, it had gone away, I've been doing my stretches and all that, it was still there, okay? And, I, and to me, I'm like, it was just a reality of my life. Like, I'm gonna have this pain forever, um, like, I love Jesus. He loves me. Like, that's cool. That's good. Um, and I never, like, trusted him to take the pain away. So I was like, oh, like, I, don't, 
know if he could or if he even cares about taking this pain away. And so actually for the first time this week, uh, this actually shows that your pastors are not perfect and they are very human. Um, I decided to trust God with this. Um, so eight years later, we were at our district conference and the beginning of the service started with like, does anyone need prayed over? And so I'm sitting there all of a sudden, like, I just get the shooting pain. And like, I don't get it like pretty intensely often, but it's just like, boom, I got it. And I just feel like God was saying like, I want you to trust me with this today. And so a couple of things are going through my mind. Like first, I just didn't want to raise my hand because it's just, I'm prideful. And I deal with that a lot. And I want to pray for people, not be the one prayed for. And so I just swallow that. He's like, you need to, yep, you need to, actually, you need to give that to me. Don't, not, don't push it down. And then he was like, if you don't raise your hand, you're, you're saying that you're not confident in me that I can heal this herniated disc. That I can take this pain away. So the first time in a long time, I, I just raised my hand. And I was like, God, I believe you can do it. Because I actually struggled with Jesus as healer for a long time. I still struggle with it. Because in my life and in my family, I have a lot of people get, that got sick. People that I love that were young. And I was on my knees pleading with God, heal them. Take it away. And he didn't. And so for me, that's always been something I struggled with. And I have this thing that like my circumstances want to dictate who Jesus is. And I have to constantly remind myself that my circumstances flaw my picture of Jesus. Because scripture shows me who he is. It shows me that he is our healer. And then I can see Jesus, right, working in the lives of people around me. I've seen Jesus heal other people and do miracles. So just because he doesn't do it for me doesn't mean he doesn't do it. And so I, I raised my hand and I, want, I wanted to show Jesus, like, I, I trust that you can heal me. It took me a lot of years. Um, and he, he didn't heal me, which is Okay. Because the, the guy that I was talking about, he's like, if he doesn't heal you, right, just, it's a reminder that, right, his grace is still sufficient, even if he doesn't choose to touch you. But he just wanted me to say, I trust you can do it. Like, I know you have the power, even if you don't. And so we see that the disciples, they saw Jesus' power to heal. Like, they saw it in their face Incredibly, they saw this man that was in darkness, possessed by spirit, be freed just like that. Because of this, right, knowing Jesus' power, they were confident in what he could do. Okay, and this, that's why they went to him immediately. They didn't hesitate. They didn't go to anything else. They're like, we just saw him do this. Maybe he can do this. Actually, we know he can do this. Verse 31 says this, so he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. Okay. And so in our sermon notes, there's ABC. And for those of you that kind of like to fill in beforehand, trying to guess what I'm going to say, this is a super easy one. Okay. It was a gimme. Uh, It's right. He took, he went to her, he took her hand and he helped her up. What's the commonality here? Let me hear it louder. Jesus, yes, be confident in that answer, right? It's very, Jesus, Jesus. It's all Jesus. It always is all Jesus. Like this woman did not deserve Jesus to heal her, 
right? From what we know, like she couldn't speak for herself. Maybe she didn't even know who Jesus was. Maybe, maybe I pushed the limit there, but maybe she didn't even know who Jesus was at that point. And he healed her. She didn't deserve it. She didn't have faith to ask for it. He healed her. To me, that sounds like the gospel. Jesus doing something for someone who did not deserve it, but he did it anyways because he can. Sometimes I feel like, sometimes I feel like I have to be good to a point. I have to be spirit-filled to a point. I have to be faithful to a point for Jesus to do something. Like he's a, like, a, like a fairy, right? You have to believe a little bit more, believe and believe, and, and then that'll you know, make his power go up and up and up. No. God has the same power now as he did when he was creating everything. Jesus doesn't need anything for us doesn't need anything from us for him to move. He moves because he loves. He moves because he can. I walked away from God when I was in high school. And right, I didn't care about him. I didn't want to follow God. I was like a selfish, money-hungry, good-time-wanting heathen. That's all I cared about was myself. I had no faith. I didn't want to follow God. I will say I did have a multitude of people praying for me in faith. And so I don't want you to hear me this morning saying faith does not matter. It's not what I'm saying. Scripture shows us that it does. But what I'm trying for us to understand is that right, whether you have a whole lot of faith or a mustard seed of faith, Jesus can work the same. If you have no faith in him, guess what? He, he still has the power to do what he wants. You not having faith doesn't take away his power. Jesus can come to us in our time of need, whether we realize it or not. He brought a decade-old memory back to my heart because he knew I needed that. He knows that's what I needed for me to come back to him. I didn't know I needed it. He did. Because he's personal and he's close and he knows who we are. Whether we want to know him or not. And that's what we see here. Like Jesus walks up to Peter's mother-in-law. He grabs her hand and he's close to her, sits by her bedside. Just reveals to us who Jesus is. He's got power. He's the Messiah, but he's also this man who cares and loves for people deeply. And Jesus' miracles, when he heals people, they're always complete. They're never like a half healing. Right? He doesn't kind of heal somebody. He completely heals people when he does it. That being said, right, we're all going to die someday, right? He even raised Lazarus from the dead, and Lazarus still passed away. But when he heals, it is complete, and it's because of his power. Right? In, in, these, in these stories, right, the demon-possessed guy, I, I don't know if he had any faith. Uh, Peter's mother-in-law, I'm not sure if she knew about Jesus or had faith, um, but what we see is that Jesus displays his power at any moment, at any time, with anyone. Jesus is sovereign. He's omnipotent. He's powerful. He's El Shaddai, God Almighty. He has the power to heal people physically. 
right? He, he chose to forgive you of your sins when you were a wretched person, right? You did not deserve his forgiveness. He actually saved you from your sins before you were even born, right? You did not deserve any of it, none of it. But he had the power to go to the cross and do something that none of us could do on our behalf. You didn't have faith in Jesus when he went to that cross. And again, faith is important. And actually, God wants to work with our faith, right? He gives us our faith for a reason, to trust in him. Right? He urges us on in our faith, to act in faith on certain things. But like what Mark, what I believe he's trying to show us is the power of Jesus. His authority to heal because not of anyone's faith or how big or how small or how muddy it might be, but because he is the son of God. Thank you, come on. He is the son of God. He doesn't heal because of your faith. He heals because he's got the power to. And there are times, yes, where he will intercede because of your faith or maybe not because of your lack of faith. But it doesn't dictate his power. Verse 32 and 34, um, they talk about um, everyone like coming to Jesus uh, after the sunset, okay? Everyone's bringing their friends to Jesus after sunset. And I always thought like, well, why are they waiting until after sunset? Um, well, because it's the Sabbath, okay? And so in those days, um, they couldn't watch any football. They couldn't go grocery shopping for the week. They couldn't wash their dog, right? You really couldn't do anything. Like you had to rest. Really, you can only like, kind of just talk and chat with people, all right? Um, so like after sunset, though, when sunset's happening, that's when like Sabbath is kind of lifted and you can start doing things. And so these people just saw Jesus do something in the synagogue, and it says it spread throughout the region. And so they're just sitting in their houses, just like waiting to bring people to Jesus. Just like they cannot wait. They're excited. They're stoked. They're like, man, we need to go to him as soon as that sun starts going down. And just like the disciples told Jesus immediately, these people are like, as soon as it's going down, right, it says the whole town starts to gather. They want to bring their people to Jesus. And then we see Jesus display his love and compassion, his mercy with people that need physical healing and demons cast out. In the Gospel of Matthew, when he looks back at this day, and he looks at all the healings and, and the miracles, he says that this fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, who said he took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. That's in Isaiah 53, 4. So Jesus, right, the Messiah, who was prophesied about in the Old Testament, was being revealed here in the New Testament right before everyone's eyes. And that same Jesus is healing today. He's not stuck in the Old or the New Testament. He's here right now with the same exact power. And so today we're going to have um, a time to respond. And I'm not going to do it right now, but I want to give you guys a heads up, okay? Sometimes I feel like when I drop the response, everyone's like, it's, it's, a, it's a scary thing to move forward and act on something that God is moving in your heart. And so I want to get you some time to, to build that courage and kind of talk to God a little bit. I want to give you guys a chance to think about if you have any physical healing you need in your life and if Jesus has the power to heal it or touch it. And I wanted today to be sure not to make it about us. But I believe when we 
when we understand who Jesus is, when we believe him to be our healer, it's going to reflect or affect how we respond to him. If you know him to be your healer, then you're going to respond. It's going to show that, right, he can physically heal us. If you know Jesus to be healer, if you believe what God's word says, the sun's setting and it's time to run after him and trust him with it. If your car is broke, you go to the mechanic, right? You don't just let it sit in your driveway. You take it there because you want it fixed right away because you got to get, get going with life. If you're sick, go to Christ. It's not selfish. It's not self-centered. It's faithfully trusting Jesus to do something maybe at this point only he can do. So the altar is going to be open at the end of the service. But I want you to take this time as I'm continuing our next part to just to check where your heart is at. And like, do you believe Jesus is your healer? Right, we have the, our, our, our thing is, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And there's going to be a line that says, I am, and it's going to be blank. Do you see Jesus as your healer? I want you to write healer in there. If you don't, if you're not sure, if you're skeptical, either leave it blank or just put a question mark. And keep thinking about it. What we're going to do is, um, I'm going to go a little over, but that's okay because we're second service and we have nothing to do after. Um, uh, I want us to watch a second video that I got for us. So go ahead, put your eyes to the screen. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard they had come home. So many gathered there um, that there, so many gathered that that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. How can, for, how can he forgive sins? Wait, no. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit. This is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier? To say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. Or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. And so I never truly understood the significance of this passage until I really prepped for this morning. And Jesus literally lays down truth bombs all over these people, but specifically on the Pharisees. Right, verses one through five, it's talking about, right, Jesus is back in town. And like everyone hears about it and they're, they're coming rushing to it. They're packed around the house once again. People are trying to get to him, hear what he's saying, want him to heal each other, right? There's, there's all these things that they want. 
The news is out. Jesus is back in town. Okay? Not the boys. Jesus. And everyone's trying to get a piece of him. All right? They want their loved ones healed. They want their friends restored. They want to hear the truths that are coming out of this guy's mouth. And around this small house in Capernaum, right, it is, it's packed. So has anyone been to concerts here? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you go to a Christian concert, people are usually nice and pleasant, right? If you go to a non-Christian concert, which I did when I wasn't following Jesus, um, people are not so nice. And so when you're at a concert and everyone's just packed around like one thing, the stage, and like there's just waves of people like pushing, trying to get closer, trying to get a better spot, be able to see better, hear better. And like that's what I imagine this moment being. There's just so, there's, it's like a chaotic, intense scene. And I guess I never really thought about it before. It's like I watched the show and I'm kind of like, oh, like, this isn't just a nice, peaceful afternoon. But there's people trying to get to Jesus. Right? You're, you're hearing him in the video, like, Jesus, you don't want to hear him. The, the Pharisees are like, you know, heckling, like, by whose authority do you teach? Like, what are you doing? And you got these people who are now lowering somebody, ripping apart a roof, right? Debris falling, stuff falling on people's heads. The owners be like, what are you doing? That's my roof. You imagine someone cutting a hole in your roof. You would not be happy about it. And then Jesus is just like, just right standing there. Just calm, cool, and collected. Just because he knows in the chaos of what's going on, like, what is about to happen. He knows what he's going to do. And so it says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. And we hear that and we're like, Woo, come on. And I think about what these people were thinking, right? And like these friends, like they just went through a whole lot. They did something really reckless for their friend to be able to walk again. They had faith that Jesus could heal them. To heal, not them, but heal their friend. And so I imagine when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, I imagine that they might've been maybe a little shocked, a little confused, or maybe even a little frustrated. And I can't imagine what the paralytic guy was thinking, right? Like, I feel like, Maybe he knows he needs his sins forgiven. Maybe he doesn't. But he's like, I, I came to get like my legs fixed. And then the Pharisees are like, what did, this, what, what did he say? He forgive his sins? So I imagine they were struggling, right? Because they just want a whole lot of effort to get their friend down there. I don't imagine they wanted to pull him back up. That would have been super hard. They had faith that he was going to walk out that door. But instead, Jesus' response is, your sins are forgiven. And this is the crux of the patches, right? And I know I've been talking about physical healing is, is good, and it's what Jesus does because it is. He has the power to do it. But there's actually something so much better than physical healing that Jesus has for us on earth. Amazing as physical healing was and is, there's something better. Earlier in Mark, Jesus says, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Jesus knew what the paralyzed man's real need was. Jesus understands and knows what our real need is. Our greatest need is our forgiveness of our sins. What good is it to have two perfectly good legs that will just walk you straight into hell? We love miracles. 
We love signs. We love videos like that from the chosen man. Like those are powerful. That, that gets something moving in my heart and in, in, my, in my soul. And, but the greatest miracle that we know about and that we see and that we get to experience is Jesus forgiving us of our sins. The fact that we are granted forgiveness through Jesus here on this earth. Miracles and signs, they're good. They're awesome. Jesus uses them to draw people to himself. But we know as believers in Christ that the greatest miracle is his forgiveness. Verse 6 and 7, right, shows us what the Pharisees are thinking. Who is this guy, right? How can he talk like that? He's blaspheming. No one can say that but God. I kind of feel like I understand a little bit working with middle schoolers. Sometimes they say things and I'm like, what, the, what? What in the world just came out of your mouth? And there's times when like, I, I think that, but I don't say it. I'm just kind of speechless. I'm like, oh, okay, interesting. I feel like the Pharisees are kind of like, what in the world did he just say? And they're just kind of sitting there like not saying anything, right? And Jesus looks at them square in the eye because he knows what's going through their head. And whether this is like divine, like he can read their minds, he knows what they're saying, or, right, Jesus knows the scriptures, the Pharisees know the scriptures, and by him saying that, and he probably read their facial expression of like, oh yeah, they know what I just said. So either divine or just like reading the situation, I believe, yeah, Jesus knew what was going on in their hearts. And his response, which is easier? Which would be easier to do? And for us, I feel like, yeah, we know like forgiveness of sins, that's not the easier thing. Because we knew, like we know what that entails. We know what has to happen for, right, Jesus to, to do that for all of humanity. But it is the easier thing to proclaim. It's the easier thing to say. Because who, who's to know if sins are really forgiven? You can't see it. You really can't verify it. You can't like measure it. But you can see someone stand up who was once paralyzed. Right? And Jesus would prove, right, he has power to heal not only physically, right, this physical thing, but but in the spiritual, spiritual sense as well. Because you see, Jesus was using the way that the rabbis and the teachers and the Pharisees think kind of against him, but it's like to prove to them who he was. Because back then, if, if you were sick or lame or like had some kind of disease, um, you, were, you were thought to, have to, to be cursed by God or God was mad at you. And to be able to be healed, your sins had to be forgiven and then you can be healed. And so what we see Jesus do here is he's like, hey, I forgive him of his sins. And now he is healed. And so to them, it'd be like, oh, that means his sins actually are forgiven. Because he's standing now right in front of us. He used the way that they thought to prove to them who he was. And then, he just throws another truth bomb on. What I want you to know, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive Sins. So he does the healing. He forgives the sins. He does the healing. That's already like evident, clear. I'm the Messiah. I am God. Because I just did that. But then he says, actually, so you know, you hear me say it, I am the Son of Man. And they would know this from Daniel uh, chapter 7, right? Where he talks about uh, the Son of Man, uh, the, the coming king that has a messianic title to it. And so that's pointing to him being the Messiah. And so he's just like, bop, 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 just dropping these on everyone that was there. He was a Messiah, and he still is. And some people got it, and some people didn't. 
And what we've been learning, right, is, is last week is that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of Man. That's what we see in the verses um, in chapter 1. And as we walk through these verses in scriptures, Mark is proving to us that Jesus is the Messiah by documenting and showing that he has power to heal physical issues. But more importantly, he has power to heal spiritually, restoring our hearts with God. That's what he came to do. The miracles, the signs, those are all great and good. But he's like, I came to restore you with God making new what is old, cleaning off what is dirty, uh, making useful which was once useless. That's what restoring something does. And that's what Jesus says he wants to do for you. He wants to restore you. Whether it's physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually. Because he's still in the business of doing that. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we need God to continue restoring us before we knew him, the moment we come to know him, and just continuously in our faith with Jesus. Because we are sick, sinful, imperfect people. And so what I want to do is I want to give us some time to respond. As I said, I was going to do earlier. We're going to play a song, and I want you guys just to take a moment with God. And I mean, if you've got something physical he wants, you want to bring to him, like, you don't have to go to God. Like, you know that's what you got. But if he's pouring on your heart to, to come up and walk, and walk up here in faith um, to give that to him, to, to show confidence that he can heal, then I'm going to ask you to do that this morning. Because if you believe what I said, but more importantly, if you believe what Jesus' word shows us, and he is our healer. And the sun is setting, and it is time to run to him and give it to him and trust and believe that he has the power to do it. And if he doesn't heal you, which was my case, I still believe he can heal because that's what God's word says. And also, his grace is sufficient for me. The fact that he's forgiven me of my sins is enough for me. I can deal with the pain. I can deal with the hurt. His grace is enough. Everything else, everything else is a bonus, right? The forgiveness of our sins and the confidence we have in eternity. Man, that should be enough. And also, if you want to ask Jesus to come into your life this morning, I want the altar to be open for you. We always talked about Jesus being the Messiah, the one who takes away sins, can take away anything because he has a power to do it. I want you to have the chance to do that this morning. Right? He proves that he can save our sins save us from our sins here, but also later on in scripture through his death and resurrection, he shows that he can, he can, he takes the punishment. He wipes us clean. And he wants to say to you, son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. Now get up off the floor and follow me. 
Like, do you want new life like that paralytic had new life? If you don't know Jesus, you are spiritually lame. You're laying on the ground. You're stuck in your sin. You're not going anywhere. And Jesus says, I want to give you brand new legs so you can live a brand new life and follow me and trust me and dance and just have freedom that you've never experienced before in your life. Choose to follow Jesus today and your life will never be the same. If you got anything else that you wanna bring to the altar, it's open. The, The altar isn't magical, but Jesus is powerful. And he's saying, he's knocking on your heart saying, like he was saying to me, just raise your hand, Dan. He's just saying, show me you have confidence in me. That you believe that I can do what I say I can do in my word. And so if you have physical healing as well, um, the elders uh, in the church, what you see in James 5, that it says, if you need prayer for healing, go to the elders and they will anoint you with oil. And so there's nothing special about the oil either. There's nothing special about the elders, right? But there's something, about, something special about Jesus. And what this is, is we're just showing that we are obeying what Jesus is telling us to do in his word. Come to him in faith this morning because he wants to do something big for you. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't heal that thing that you want him to, just remember, he forgave you of your sins. Your name is power. Your 
Jesus from the mountains. 
that chose to, to come up here in faith and trust Jesus that he is who he says he is. He is the healer. There's nothing he cannot do. There's nothing he cannot do. And so I'm just so thankful for this morning. I'm so thankful for our God that he sees us, that he knows you. And so I want to encourage you if there's anything else that you are struggling with, if there's any other sicknesses or anything, just because the song is over does not mean you can't come up here and bring it to God. I want to extend that as we end the service. Because us ending the service doesn't stop Jesus from doing what he wants to do in you. So I want to encourage you, if there's anything else that you got on your heart that he's tugging at right now, give it to him. He'll hand up better than we can. I want to pray over all of you this morning. Jesus, I want to pray for everyone in this room. Jesus, thank you for showing up for them today. Thank you for loving them. We just saw your people respond to you, Jesus. A lot of people in this room believe you to be their healer. power.